Hello and welcome to Cubicle Confidential, weekly advice for the working stiff. I'm Chris DeSantis, and let me introduce my cohorts. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> you, you are a high-paid organizational consultant, and you can't even get co-host instead of co-horse. Uh, I, it's, it's just, it's a word that, okay. Ready, Jack? Hello, and welcome to Cubicle Confidential, weekly advice for the working stiff. I'm Chris DeSantis, and let me introduce my co-host, speaker, author, business owner, and blood relative of Danny Thomas, the multifaceted Mary Abijay. Hey, Chris. Uh, you know, I'm not a blood relative of Danny Thomas, although he did grow up in the same neighborhood as my father. So we're we're only tied by the Arab blood, but that's funny. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm Mary Abijay, not blood relative of <laughs> Danny Thomas. Let me introduce you to my co-host, Chris DeSantis, who is an organizational guru, a stage presence like you've never seen, and he's an internationally known speaker. So Chris, it is delight to be here today. And I understand we're going to be talking about one of my favorite topics today, are we not? Yes, we are, Mary, and it's good to see you as well. Uh, this is about bosses, and in particular, some difficult bosses. And today's episode is called From Men to Boys. Now, we've all had problems with bosses. In fact, Mary Mary has written a book on bosses called Managing Up. So uh, yeah, we'll be yes, using I have. that. Yeah, Managing Up, how to succeed with any type of boss. I literally wrote the book on it. That's so good. That's so good. In fact, what I had read uh, is that something like three out of four people say the worst part of their jobs are their bosses. That is right. 75% of people say the worst part of their day is their is their boss. And we wow. know that bosses are not very good necessarily at being bosses. They may be fine people, but their ability to be a good boss is often lacking. Oh, tell me. Have you ever had a bad boss experience? Chris, I've had so many bad bosses <laughs> that I had to start my own company because I figured if I have to work for an asshole, I could work for myself. So <laughs> I have now started my own bot, my own business like 20 years ago because I figured if I had to have a bad boss, it may as well be me. How about you? Oh, yeah. I did. I've had a series of bosses over time. In fact, about 30 years ago, I decided, well, enough bosses. I'll be my own. But I remember one in particular. I was uh, uh, I was in a, the HR department at the time, and my boss was the VP of HR. I don't think he's alive anymore, but I'll, I won't be whispering. But but I, I think what happened, he had this strange habit. And when he would be upset with people, he would throw furniture. Ugh. And so when he was really upset, he would throw big furniture. And I thought this was just an, a myth until I experienced it. And one day I'm sitting in my office when this has a glass door and I see a lamp arc across the lobby, followed by a chair, and he was having one of his tantrums. And we, we learned that when he has a tantrum, you back down. You just try to be nice to him for a while. And then he gets through it. But it you was know an what, amazing experience. You know what I love about that story is that he was the head of HR. <laughs> exactly. Who the, do you go to? The Who people, do you go to? The people that are supposed to, you know, prevent that kind of behavior are the people that are doing it. And, you know, that is not uncommon. I mean, no. I was speaking at SHRM, I think it was last summer. No, it was right before the pandemic. So it was 2019. And the head of SHRM, I can't remember his name, Johnny or something, great guy. And he got up and he said, you know, it's time for us to, like, be honest about our dirty little secrets. 
speaker, which is that most of us in HR actually hate people. <laughs> I just thought like he had the audience like in his hand after that. The audience of HR people, because it's true, they don't necessarily like people. Okay, don't send us your letters. We know there's lots of wonderful HR people out there. But you know, the last boss I had was very similar to the boss you're talking about. Uh, he was the chairman of the city council in Washington, D.C., and I worked for the chairman of the city council. And I would name names because he is dead, but I'll save his relatives from knowing this. But he was a screamer. Mm. Like You would be talking with him, and he would just lose his shit. And he would start screaming at you. And then he would turn, and he would face the wall while he was yelling at you. And he would do this thing with his hand. I think it was like a, a calming trigger that a therapist must have given him. But he would do this thing with his hand like he would... Um, he would like, you know, pulse it towards his face as he screamed at you. And, you know, then it would finally die down and you'd go about your business. And <laughs> I got to tell you, everybody walked around this office like, oh, that's just Dave. You know, that's fine. It's hard. But you, the, the tension in the office was unbelievable. And I will say I was the only one that quit. I said at some point, dude, I am leaving. That's when I quit my last job and I opened up a bar. And I remember when I, yeah, I went <laughs> From, I went from working for the chairman of the city council to being a bar owner. That's how dramatic it was. But I remember when I came to give my resignation, he looked at me and said, you know, you're going to fail. You are going to be a failure and don't come back to me for a job. And I wow. said, see ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. Yeah. Wow. Six months later, I'm on the cover of the Washingtonian magazine with one of the best bars in town. So I whatever. hope you sent him a copy. I did send him a copy, actually. You know, you but you know, right. bad bosses are, are are a challenge. Now I just have bad clients. No, I'm kidding. I love my clients. <laughs> but the difference is, we still have to manage up, even even us that own our own businesses, because we have to manage up with our with our with our clients who are now our bosses. Well, well, speaking of managing, let's let's get to the first question, which is let's the name it. of the episode: uh, From Men to Boys. I'm the only woman in our real estate office. I'm responsible for payroll and other admin work. I've been here just over two years. There are six other staff people, not counting the sales agents. My manager and the other staff do a lot of socializing together. They often go out for lunch or for drinks after work. Initially, I would join them for lunch when it didn't interfere with my studying. I'm enrolled in a real estate licensing program. I rarely, if ever, went out for drinks with the boys for a number of reasons. I don't enjoy sports or sports bars. I don't like to drink that often. And I have someone to go home to. And I can live without the boy talk, constantly teasing someone, myself included. My reasons are my business, not my manager's. But he keeps needling me for not being part of the posse. Once this program is complete, I want to apply for a sales agent job here at this company, but since he's my manager and he's making the hiring decisions, it doesn't look good. Should I suffer through drinks with the boys to get the job or should I look elsewhere once I have my license? Signed, Odd Woman Out. Oh, 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 you, you know, think? I am digging this question. So uh, Odd Woman Out. So there's a couple of things here. One, Sounds like she's working in an organization that has what we call a bro culture, you know, <laughs> a culture of being bros. 
And so she's kind of fighting against the culture, but culture comes from the top, right? So from the leader. So it is a managing up question in that aspect. Um, so bro cultures are, well, any organizational culture is really hard to shift. It's mm. really hard to change when you don't have any power. Uh, and especially when the bro culture is promulgated by the bro at the top. Mm. So I will say this, first of all. When you are in a difficult boss situation or a difficult work situation or any kind of difficult situation, the Buddhists tell us that we always have three choices. Hmm. Choice number one is to accept it, which means sometimes it means sucking it up, right? But to do so by understanding this is the way it is and not letting ourselves get bitter or angry or wrapped around the axle. So accept the bro culture, decide whether or not you want to be a part of it and be okay with that. So that's choice number one. Choice number two is to try to change the situation in some way. So in this situation, it might be trying to change the culture, trying to change your relationship with your boss, trying to change the relationship with your colleagues, trying to change the way that you are interacting in this situation, because that's all we can do is change ourselves. And the third option is to quit is to leave the situation. So I want Odd Woman Out to think about her three choices. Uh, when it comes to um, uh, when it comes to changing culture, the chances are that you're not gonna be able to change this culture unless you're a part of it. So she could play the game and then slowly try to change the culture, gain the confidences of the bros and try to mm. show them the errors of her ways. Um, or she could just play the game and learn to play the game. So the thing for me on her that I find it to be a little disconcerting is that the real estate business is a great business for women. In fact, the the highest percentage of uh, people in real estate are women. So something like 63% of, of realtors are women. So I think all these things considered, I might stay long enough to get my license, but I would absolutely think in this case, I would go find another agency because I do think in the real estate business, there's a lot of opportunity for women. And I don't think that she's going to be able to change the bro culture. So at the end of the day, those are her three choices in my book, but I think that she should find a culture that's better for her. Wow. I, I love that advice. I love that you uh, pointed out the, the, the three options for her and then what process she might use to, to decide which is appropriate to who she is. To who she to, is. To who she is. Because it sounds like she is not aligned with the crowd. She's not. No. I was looking at this slightly differently than you because um, I, I like that you, you framed it as a cultural issue and I was being much more surgical and looking at it as a management issue yeah, so how this how, manager. Yeah, so tell us about that let me yes. hear your take and so what i was thinking about it you've got two years invested in this you know these people you know this job and you know the local real estate market through this particular office so i think it's a challenge that maybe you get past i also think if you take this as a learning situation and view this as he's irritating in the sense that some of your clients would be irritating so can i play this person and so in that sense, um, the question then becomes, how do I get my boss to make me a real estate agent and not have to suffer through nights out with the boys? So that becomes essentially what you want to do is to make, uh, you want him to think of yourself uh, as more interesting. And so what is his, in where does his interest lie? His interest lies in either going out with the boys or selling properties. My assumption is he's the manager of that office, so property should be precedent, right? 
So you got to go where you can help him the most. And if selling properties is it, you have four choices, right? If you want to distinguish yourself from him, he either you have to do one of four things for him. Make him more money, save him more money, save him time, or improve his status in the company or the industry. Those are the four things you can do on his behalf. And if you can come up with something that does one of those four things and press that, meaning that use that to your advantage, you become in some ways more indispensable than the posse. Because the posse, in effect, is, is his social link, but this is more important, it's his financial link. So I would say, for our purposes, then you would only go out once a month with the boys, for turn on the charm, show up late, because you're at the office working on that one aspect that he finds important, and give him that, and then leave early and leave him wanting more. And at the same time, I would take Mary's advice and saying, if that doesn't give you the satisfaction you want, I would then look for a new job, but they're going to counter offer. And therefore, you're going to get more money on whatever future job you take as a consequence of this. Oh, that is such an, inter an interesting take, Chris. I like that. So your whole thing is you've got to find your own path. You've got to distinguish yourself. Instead of trying to run with the posse, be more valuable than the posse. Yes. Uh, so that's going to be a longer haul. But I think that, you know, whether or not she does that and she decides to stay there, that is great career advice for anybody in any uh, in any organization. Like, how do you really make yourself indispensable to somebody? else by playing your own game. And the game that you pointed out to her, which by the way, I'm going to tell on my gender, is the money game. It's actually yes. like all four of yours were directly related to the bottom line, to finances, to money, to why we're in business. Uh, and I think that's often women forget to talk that money language. And I think that's really important. You know, there's something else I want to say too about um, sucking it up a little bit and doing the posse thing. Not that I think you should, um, but the real estate biz, from what I know, is very relational. It's very network oriented. So there might be some value in going mm. occasionally with the posse right. to see how people in real estate talk, to really kind of get, to really kind of start building your network. Because if you're someone that doesn't enjoy that, it's a little bit, most of the, I know a lot of real estate professionals, and most of them have, they kind of combine a little social, they're very good networkers. So you might see those posse trips, like reframe them as to something that you hate doing to something that's a learning event for you, something that's trying to help you build. And by the way, every organization in the world is a social organization. So you have got to get to know the people in your organization, even mm. if it, and sometimes it means sucking it up and doing something social. I think that's great advice, Mary. In fact, uh, there is light at the end of the tunnel because once you become a sales agent, you won't be hanging out with the staff. You'll be hanging out with other sales agents. That's exactly and right. And there's where your real networking opportunity lies. Yeah. Well, so my best friend, uh, she owned uh, she owned a big consulting firm, which she sold for a boatload of money and is now Love retired, her. living the Love life. Her. Uh, uh, her name is Stacy, and that's her real name. Uh, and Stacy, so Stacy's business partner, and that was a consulting firm, and it was very much a bro culture, even though she wasn't a bro. And Stacy made the choice that she's like, you know what? 
they want to go to strip joints. I'm going to the strip club. Like she went and she like actually insinuated, she became the biggest bro of all. Uh, but like she did it with a sense of humor, but she did it with the sort of like, I'm doing this to build my business. And she built, built a multi-million dollar business. Um, and this was back in the, in the early nineties. And I'm not sure she would do the same thing today, mm-hmm. but she decided to take a look at the time that she was living in, the culture of how to build that business. And she decided, you know what? It's not a problem for me. So I think we all have choices to make about what we're comfortable with, the times we're living in, our industry, and our power to change it when and where we can. That's excellent. Excellent. Well, let's move on to our our second question here of the day. And this one is called 20 Questions. Oh, this is an art gallery. Do love art galleries. I do love. Well, but Chris, like you have, like I can, everyone, I can see inside Chris's house. You have lovely art. Are you like, do you regularly go and buy art? Because I've seen your decor. I don't regularly go, but I do enjoy going when I can afford to go. But I do like art. I'm 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 a learner, so in that sense, I, I go to learn, and I will buy occasionally, and and hopefully at one day I have a collection of things. But I have a collection has to have a, um, a thematic, and I haven't really come upon my my thematic in terms of what I'm collecting. Well, I do you like sculpture, pictures, paintings? Like, what's your? Well, I do like sculpture, and I do like uh, I do like paintings. But then you have to go and do like the modernists. You like abstractions. You like there's so many categories within that, and I think you should learn the categories opposed to just looking at the thing that you like. Which, I, by the way, don't discount that. But the, the more you understand the category, the deeper you can go and the more discerning you become. I love it. Discerning. It's like wine, right? Yeah, you know it's like saying? wine. It's like wine. It's like you either like the two-buck chalk or you're going to go for the uh, lovely burgundy. I would go for the burgundy until we run out of that, and then I'm off to the two-buck chalk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so drink anyway, the, by the way, that's good advice for people out there. If you have a good bottle of wine and a bad bottle of wine, you start with a good bottle of wine. Because exactly. once you get a little tipsy, your, your taste buds kind of go down. So don't save that good bottle for a second. Take the good bottle first. In fact, save the good bottle and then pour the bad stuff in it. People won't know after a point in time. Oh, my God. You are so right. You know, every time they do tasks around this, they give people the same wine and they say this wine is more expensive and this wine is cheap. People always, if you prime them to believe the good wine is better, every single time, they just ran another study on this, every single time people will choose the wine they, that they, is, they have been told is more expensive, regardless of what wine's in there. <laughs> Put a price on that bottle. We humans are stupid. We, we you know. are. We All right. Are. Sorry, about, sorry for the diatribe. No, Let's no, hear no. about that 20 questions. That was good. Uh, okay, so we're at 20 questions here. Uh, now, let me tell you what she has said. Uh, I recently received a horrible performance evaluation. Wah, wah, wah. Mm. My boss said I did not meet his expectations. I, I work in an art gallery as a sales associate. My job, according to my boss, is to be professional at all times, Exceed client expectations and think like an owner. I have no truck with these phrases, but I do have a problem trying to get him to tell me exactly what each of these platitudes means. When I ask stupid questions such as, what does acting like an owner look like? He'll say something like, if you have to ask, you'll never be one. (laughs) I have even asked, who might I be looking to as a role model? He'll say someone acting professionally, or you guessed it, anyone who is exceeding client expectations. And then he storms off in a huff. 
<laughs> it's been my dream to work in an art gallery, but how do how can I work for this ambiguous blowhard, even if I can't understand what he's judging me on? Signed, Edward Munch's Muse, which oh, I love. The scream. I love the um, scream. That's I so love good. the scream too. Um, all right, so I have okay. I have a talk about ambiguous blowhards. I'm going to be one for a moment. So I'm, I have a little bit of problem with the muse. I'm just going to call her the muse uh, because you know, honestly, you don't know what looking. Prof professional looks like you don't know what client exceeding client expectations are like if you don't know that and you need your boss to tell you mm. then i'm wondering why you're working in an art gallery if you're working in an art gallery because you love the art and you think it's fabulous and it's your dream to like you know do that well then you're missing a big point of the art gallery which is that it's a fucking business so mm. you've got to like learn about the business uh so this goes back to what you said earlier you need to find out how to be valuable to your boss to the business uh so i will say this and by the way i'm not i'm not in any sense like condoning the blowhard like that is your job as a manager to develop your people is your job to give them roadmaps it's your job to coach them mentor them teach them right it is his job and he's not doing it so this mean means the muse has to figure it out for herself she has to do something called FITFO, which stands for figure it the F word out, right? <laughs> so I really believe this is about managing herself in order to manage up. So here's, here's, here's my take. Number one, this may be a no win situation, by the way. He, the fact that he isn't giving her any time, he's not really to coach or developer. It just might not be a good fit. And he may never be the boss that she needs him or wants him to be. So she may, I want to give her a couple ideas in a moment, but she may just have to find herself another art gallery that fits who she is and where she is in her career. So I would say this, Look around, do some research, find out what makes for a good art gallery professional. And I don't know whether she's a curator, whether she's a salesperson, but she needs to find out. She needs to also look around the gallery. Who is very successful? Who does the boss really get along with? Who is a potential mentor in this organization? Who can she go and say like, I'm getting this feedback, what can I do? She should go to other galleries and have informational interviews. What does a successful gallery uh, professional look like? What are the skills they need? I think she needs to do a little research. She needs to get a little feedback from her colleagues and she needs to find someone else to mentor her. So that's where I would start. I know I've just like dumped on the muse, but I just think at some point she's got to figure out like how she's going going to uh, what the career should look like and the skills that she needs to be successful because if her boss isn't telling her she's got to find out herself wow i think that's great advice mary so what you're saying in effect is look she's got to own who she is and who she wants to be mm -hmm. because he's not helping her on that journey that's right and if he's not going to help her on the journey then she's got to find her own path yeah now um I, I was taking i was looking at this as well and i was thinking to myself well two questions here is she selling anything if she is selling anything, she doesn't need him so much as she, she might. So her path isn't as bad, meaning that uh, his, he's not going to give her advice necessarily on what she's doing. And I would take all of what you've said. Look for role models. Look for people who you, could, who you can adopt in terms of something that is compatible to the way you would do it or adapt to how you would do it. I think that's great. I would also play him. 
I would play him. This is that Pavlovian thing. I would find out when he says good things to her, she should tell him that. She said, I really appreciate that you, you made this point about this. Or that was informative about this particular uh, artist that you made point of. I would also play a game, called, I call it the Ben Franklin effect. And what Ben Franklin did was, he, he had somebody who didn't care for him on, I, I believe this was in the government at the time in, in, in PA. And what he did is he went to his house and said, I understand you have a particular book. I, would you mind if I borrow it? And he borrowed the book from somebody who didn't like him. And then he returned the book and he was gushing about how the book was helpful and all that. And what that did was it started to create a connection between them. So my point here is that she should be asking for this man for very small, narrow, pointed advice in categories he is comfortable giving it. So that would be with artists or or or, or sculpture or or things that he would relate to versus her performance. Now I love that. Having you know, said all you... of this, one more thing. Having said all of this, though, if she is not selling art, then this thing about her bad performance appraisal is uh, all about getting rid of her. Oh, you know, that is can also be very, very true. You know, she doesn't tell us in the no, she in question what her 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 appraisal, other than not being professional, was all about. Because you're right, money talks. Exactly. Um, and BS walks. Uh, and then the day, an art gallery is about selling, but it's also about attracting the clientele that can afford to buy the art. So I'm, yeah, so I'm very curious. To, I would like to know, like, what her sales performance was. You know, and also, um, you know, I know a lot of people that get feedback and they still don't accept it. Like, so I was talking with a young, um, uh, she wasn't a client, but her company was a client. I had done some some work for her. And she emails me one day and she forwards me this email from her boss. And this, like, it's like a three-page email. And the issue at hand was she didn't tell him it was her alternate work day. And he was wondering where this report was due on a Friday. And she doesn't work on Fridays. It's her alternate work day. And so he said, listen, he laid out in this email, like everything, like you don't work on Fridays. Here's what you need to do, like really detailed. And she forwards me this email. She's like, I just, I don't know what to do about him. I just don't know what he wants from me. And I said, really? Because if you read his email, <laughs> he told you exactly what he wanted from you. So, you know, I'm also wondering when I get a question like this from her, you know, you don't know what it means to be entrepreneurial. It means when you see a challenge or opportunity, you take it. Mm. You don't know what it means not to be professional. It means you speak in a certain way. You return calls. You dress in a certain way. Like, you don't know what that means. Like, I just don't think it's that hard to figure out, especially in the world of art galleries. Go to some art galleries, interact with other people, see what it looks like. So part of me kind of thinks she's throwing a little smoke screen. And I know that's mean, but not that that excuses blow hard, but part of me is like, figure it out. That's the Gen X in me, figure it out. Yeah, that is the Gen X in It you. is, right? I think I no see that. No one held my hand, sister, figure it out. <laughs> I know, but I, but I, I will tell you this, and, 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 and what she's saying is, be good at what you're doing, meaning that learn particular artists. Be deep, be deep in the knowledge of some artists that you can that you can stand behind, and then pay attention to who pays attention to you as potential clients, because that's your niche. And if you can play strongly within that, carry those names with you. And if you do leave this business, you take that client base with that type of client with that kind of art with you out the door. 
Yeah, I think that's right. I think it's right. I think she has a lot more options than she realizes. And I think most of her options start with her. I agree. Well, I think we're going to have to wrap this up for the day. Although before we, uh, we, we, we end, I'd like to end with Mary for a moment here because your book, Managing Up, is an interesting book and there's a lot in it. Before we leave, what do you have any tips, any yes. particular tips that you would say, do this? You know I do, Krista Sanders. I know you, you know do. I'm just chock full of tips. Do. Well, the first thing I want to say is we all have to manage up because we all have bosses. Uh, and when you're thinking about managing up, I want you to realize it's not about sucking up. It's not about being a sycophant. It's not about kissing someone's behind. It's really about managing that relationship uh, with your boss because your boss has a lot of influence over your career success, whether you like it or not. And you can't change your boss. Like you're not going to change how your boss operates or interacts because they got where they are by where they are. So your boss should be good. And when they're not, you've got to figure out how to make that relationship work. So you have to figure out because your career matters and managing up is about taking control of your career by taking control of that relationship. So my big piece of advice is figure out who your boss is not who you wish they were, who they really are, uh, what they want, what they need, what their preferences are, what their priorities are, as Chris says, what their pet peeves are, and then do what you can to work around that structure. Uh, it might take being doing a little more of one thing, a little less of something else, but figuring out who your boss is and how you can make that relationship work so that you can be successful, they can be successful, and the organization can be successful. And you know what? It's more of an art than a science. So so keep trying things. Don't be one and done. Excellent advice, Mary. And let's close out the show. Take us to the close, Mary. All right. So I think we've made some good progress here, everybody. And oh, by the way, if you want my book, you can buy it on Amazon or any place they sell books, Chris DeSantis. I should have hey, mentioned Chris, that. Have I ever sent you a copy? No, you have not. May I have a signed one? Oh, my God. I feel so horrible. Yes, of course. I'll send you a signed copy. Um, so Although, that, based on what I know, they're all signed to Chris, aren't they? They're all signed to Chris. <laughs> <laughs> all of them. So, all right. Now that we're done plugging me, uh, I'd like to thank everybody for listening to our episode today on Cubicle Confidential. Uh, and please, if you have a workplace question or a cubicle dilemma, please email us to info at cubicleconfidential.com or you can tweet us to cubicleconfide1 or just find us on LinkedIn. Chris DeSantis, Mary Abajay, we're everywhere. And no problem is too big and clearly no problem is too small or too ridiculous because we will answer it. Uh, and we hope to see you next week and in the, oh, I almost forgot to thank Jack, the hardest working producer and most underpaid producer in podcast business. Jack Edner, you're the best. Uh, so until next week, be good. And if you're not, tell us.